We're in the series Happy, and we've been looking at how to be happy. You know, happiness, I, I think, is something we all want. We, we, we long to be happy. And we talked about one of the major reasons that people are unhappy is they're expecting that their circumstances. They're expecting them to make them happy, which also means that we're allowing our circumstances to, to make us unhappy. And so people live that up-and-down life that we've been talking about where they're happy, you know, things are going good, we're happy, you know, happy. And then happy, 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 you know, we're very happy. Things are, whoa, 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 oh, almost unhappy, but no, happy. <laughs> Seriously unhappy. And we live like that. You know, our circumstances just kind of bouncing around. And friends, happy is not out there. It's, it's not the, the circumstances. But we've talked about it's the joy that's in here. It's the joy that, that's God-given. And today what I want to look at is what I believe is another obstacle to people's happiness. And that's a thing called worry. It's something that more and more people are, are dealing with in our society. You know, worry is creating a, a lot of anxiety, a lot of stress. In fact, worry is robbing a lot of people of their happiness and their joy. And in some cases, worry is actually stealing your life. You know, Bobby McFerrin, when he wrote that Grammy Award song, Don't Worry, Be Happy. I mean, it was kind of a feeble attempt at how to get and deal with a thing called worry. You know, here's a little song I wrote. You might want to sing it note for note. Don't worry. You know, the landlord says the rent is late. He may litigate. Don't worry. Now sing it like you're happy, <laughs> you know. Yeah, people are going, be happy. Yeah. Yeah. It's one of those songs, you can thank me later on in the day, because it gets in your head, <laughs> and you can't get rid of it. You know, don't worry, be happy, you know, and it just sticks. But it's not so simple, is it? I mean, it's easy to allow our circumstances to kind of overwhelm us. It's not so easy to quit worrying. You know, it's like the guy that uh, is worrying about his health, so he went to see the doctor. And the doctor did a physical and everything. said, Joe, there, there's nothing to worry about. You're going to live to be 60. And he goes, I am 60. He goes, see, told you. You know, it's like, you know, like the woman that uh, she was worried about flying, and so she bought uh, uh, flight insurance, and she's eating lunch before the flight, and she opened the fortune cookie, and it said, a recent investment will pay high dividends, you know. And it just... <clears throat> Guy is flying, and uh, he got uh, worried because they hit some serious turbulence, and so he hit his call button, and he wanted to talk to the stewardess, and he... He goes, can you tell me about this plane? You know, how often do jets like this crash? And she said, well, sir, uh, usually just once. <laughs> Saw a billboard is years ago that says, don't let worry kill you, let the church help. You know, and so 
I don't want worry to kill you, and hopefully today we'll actually uh, get some practical advice on how to overcome worry. Advice from God's Word. We've been looking at the book of Philippians, and Paul's going to give us some great, great advice. I want you to think for a moment, what is your greatest worry? I want you to identify it. I want you to write it down. All right, if you've got a pen, just write it down somewhere. If it's the person sitting next to you that's your greatest worry, just draw an arrow. God will know what you're doing. You know. Just jot it down. You can scribble it out after service. And as I say that, some of you look worried right now, you know, having to do that. But I think for it to be practical, you've got to identify that thing. See, we live in a time when more people are living with less joy and more worry. In fact, studies have shown that the average adult spends two hours every day worrying. Now, some of you heard that and you got worried. You go, I'm not average. You know, I'm worrying too much. I'm not worrying enough. But the, the fact is, that's a lot of time. I mean, we worry about things. We get anxious about things. We, we fret over things. You know, what if I made the wrong choice? You know, what if this or that happens? You know, what if I married the wrong person? What if I lose my job? You know, what if I don't have enough money and the list is endless? Don't worry. Be happy. It's a simple instruction. But to be honest, it seems a little bit like an overwhelming task. It's like joy and worry are mutually exclusive. You know, joy is that sense of well-being. Worry is the opposite. All's not well. In fact, all's not well, and there's this sense of a kind of impending disaster in our life. That, that word worry, it's an Anglo-Saxon verb, actually. It means to choke to strangle, and it's what worry does. Do you know, 38% of deaths are are heart-related, and they're brought on by a thing called hypertension, high blood pressure, anxiety. They say a good portion of that, it stems from worry. Read an article not long ago, uh, the Journal of Psychology, that suggested that 75%, think about this, 75% of emotional struggles, and they were talking about things like depression, panic attacks, some phobias that that people have, they stem from issues around worry and anxiety. See, worry, if you allow it in your life to continue, it strangles us. It chokes us. It strangles happiness. You know, it strangles our relationships. It even strangles your relationship with God. And because worry, that's what it does. It damages. It damages us physically, emotionally, relationally, and even spiritually. It'll do a number on us. And there's a difference, because I know some people go, well, now you should be concerned. Concern and worry are two different things. Concern 
it focuses on probable difficulties that you may face, you should be concerned about some things. You know, you should be concerned about how you manage your money. You should be concerned uh, about uh, if you're driving and, and the roads are slick. You should, something should kick in and go, I need to be concerned about the roads today. See, concern results in constructive action in life, and that's important. Worry, on the other hand, worry focuses on circumstances that are beyond our control. See, worry will even focus on imagined situations. Worry, it results in inaction in life. Worry is always worrying. It's always wondering, you know, what if this happens? You know, what if I get cancer? What if uh, the kids get in an accident? What if I lose my job? And so it kicks in and we worry and we worry and worry really is about enjoying the crisis before it even gets here. It's unreasonable, unhelpful, unnecessary, but we do it, don't we? I was reading a... uh, study of uh, people that deal with uh, kind of high levels of, of fear in their life. And so they ask people that, that were in the study to begin journaling as a way to kind of track their, their anxiety and their fears and stuff. And it was interesting because as they begin to gather the data, they begin to see a pattern. And just for instance, one of the, one of the women in the study fear was kind of out of control, but she was typical of almost everybody in the study. And what they found, 40% of her worries were about things that never actually happened. So she worried about this might happen, but it never happened. 30% was about things from the past, stuff that she couldn't change. 12% of her worries were about uh, criticisms in our life, which really was more about the people that were criticizing than it was about her. 10% of her worries were about her health, and her health got worse because why? She worried. And here's what they found, and this was almost across the board. 8% of what she was actually concerned about were things she could actually do something about which means 92% of what she spent time worrying about were were things that didn't change and she couldn't change. Think about that. That's a lot of time, isn't it? I mean, can anybody relate to this? You know, Jesus asked one time, he says, can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? It's a rhetorical question. I mean, the answer then, the answer now, it's the same. No. No, I can't. No one can. Yet we worry. We worry. In fact, some of you right now are struggling to even listen because you're worried. You're worried about and preoccupied with what's going to happen today. You're, you're preoccupied about your week. See, it just gets a hold of you. That's what worry does. I mean, for some, it's a battle all the time. It's part of how some are wired, they're finding, that you actually carry a gene for worry, have a disposition 
to worry. It's called the worry gene. Now, what I'm going to ask you to do today, I believe is going to take some courage on your part. It's going to take courage to admit that you struggle with worry. To admit that you're afraid of whatever. And then it's going to take some courage to say, you know what, I'm willing to change. And what we're going to talk about is really a transformation in in your life. Real transformation is not about trying harder, all right? It's about renewing your mind. It's about confronting what's going on in our heads. And the Apostle Paul, he writes the, the church in Rome, he says, do not be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. If we are going to experience real joy in our lives, if we're really going to confront worry that, that impacts our life, we need to confront not just our circumstances, not just our behavior, but we need to confront our thoughts. And so Paul, he write, writes the church in Philippians, and he, he writes, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say it, rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Don't worry about what? Don't worry about anything. Now, at the heart of this passage is don't worry. Don't worry. Don't worry about anything in your life. Don't worry about your job. Don't worry about your finances. Don't worry about retirement. Don't worry about your health. Don't worry about the kids. Don't worry about your future. Don't be anxious about it. Paul says, don't worry about anything. And I read that and I think, how's that possible? See, worry is not something you try harder not to do. It's like uh, somebody telling you to try harder to go to sleep. What happens? I mean, it it backfires. Most people that try to stop worrying, they go, I'm not supposed to worry about that. I'm not supposed to worry about that. I'm not supposed to worry. And they keep worrying about that. And they end up worrying more. And they worry, and they can't seem to turn it off or stop it. Paul's not saying, try harder not to worry. In fact, Paul, Paul says, let me give you some advice that will help you confront that worry. And the first thing he says is, remember the Lord is near. The Lord's near. He doesn't say, just don't worry. He says a very profound, very simple statement. He says, the Lord's near. You've got to remember that the Lord's near. God is close to you. Right now, God's next to you. In fact, I am convinced if we could uh, look at the quality of your, your spiritual life, your, your happiness, your joy, I think it would be determined by a simple question. You could see where you're at. Do you live 
as if God is close or God's far away. Which way do you live? I did not ask you if you believe God's close. All right? I'm asking you if you live like God's close. If you act, if you choose as though God is next to you. I was thinking this week, uh, I was putting, putting the message together. God is not anxious about anything. God is not anxious about what's going on in your marriage. God's not anxious about the problems you're going through with your kids. God's not anxious about your financial situation. God's not anxious about what you're going through vocationally or at work. God's not worried about it. Now, don't misunderstand me. It doesn't mean that God doesn't care. God cares a lot. God God loves you. But he's not worried. He's with you. See, when we live with more of an awareness of God's presence in our life, something shifts we begin to experience peace in the middle of the storm. We begin to experience peace in in our lives. Paul, Paul calls it gentleness. He says, let your gentleness be made known to everyone. And that word gentleness, it's kind of a unique word. It's... uh, the ease with which we live might be a way you could translate it. Not, not living with a state of panic and anxiety, but with a gentleness, calm in the storm. Why? Because God's near. I was in uh, Express Lane, uh, the grocery store the other day. There's a big sign. Have you guys seen it? 15 items or less. Lady in front of me, cart is overflowing. I mean, it was ridiculous. I I started counting the items. I know, I need counseling, but anyway. I'm counting the items. I'm irritated. And I'm thinking, who does this woman think she is? What, What is wrong with people? I don't like people like this. If Jesus was here, he wouldn't like her, you know. I could feel the frustration spilling. Woman got got uh, up front and uh, she she says to the cashier, she goes, "I'm in a hurry. I have a few more than 15 items." And I'm thinking, "A few more? You got 63 more items than you're supposed to have." I thought it. Okay, I thought it. Didn't say it. I am sure I showed it. About that time, uh, across the lane across from us, the lady, she goes, aren't you the pastor of Faith Fellowship? She had attended here. Actually, she attended when we were at the high school, but uh, she had attended the church, and so we, we talked for a moment. And I was heading to my car, and of course, I'm going back through what I had done while I was in line there. and uh, And I thought, you know... I wasn't very gentle 
I mean, gentleness was lacking. I was irritated. I was frustrated. Totally preoccupied with the situation. See, that's the thing about worry. You get preoccupied with yourself. How am I doing? How's this going to inconvenience me? You know, how's this affect me? How's this going to turn out? And so we worry and we get restless and we get frustrated and we get irritated and we're so preoccupied with, with your, ourselves, with the situation, that you can easily miss God in the midst of it. Paul says, when we're aware of God's presence, we can start experiencing joy and gentleness and freedom from worry. You know, we can begin to experience gratitude and peace. How is it possible? Because God's near. Because God's near. See, because God's near, we have the ability to also talk to God. Paul goes on, he says, do not worry about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. See, when, when a person is worrying about something, they're, they're anxious, they're fretting. We, we said earlier, we become very myopic in our focus. No, me, 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 me. No. What am I going to do? How am I going to get through this? How, how does this affect me? Worry begins to amp up because of the self-talk, because of that stuff going through our head. See, some of you are worrying. And you're always talking to yourself, oh no, what's going to happen here? And you're talking and talking and you say the same stuff over and over and over and over and over and over. And some even begin to spout it to friends. They say the same thing over and over and over, talking and the worry gets worse and worse. And friends, at some point, you've got to break the cycle. You've got to break the cycle and start talking to God. Change the focus. God, I need your help with this situation at work. God, I need your help with this problem in the family. God, I need your help with the finances. You know, please, God, I need your help. See, Paul tells us in everything, everything, every situation, you know, when you're struggling in your marriage, ask God for help. You know, when you're dealing with issues with the kids, ask God for help. You know, when you're in the middle of a health crisis, ask God for help. You know, when the future's unsure, ask God for help. You know, James would write in James 4.3, he says, you do not have because you don't ask God. We're not having a conversation with God. I mean, what's that mean? We don't have because we don't ask. Just what it says. You don't have because you don't ask God. One of the simplest ways to confront worry 
is to ask God for help. Ask God for help in every situation. Ask God to help you. That situation that you just thought of, ask God to help you with that. You know, make a commitment to do that. You know, when you feel the anxiety rising, when you feel that worry begin to invade your body and your mind, ask God for help. Ask God to help you with that worry, whatever it is. Be, be specific about it. Be honest. It's okay. Be honest. Just say, God, I don't like this. And give it to God. Paul, Paul says, and while you're doing that, while you're lifting up this, this thing, whatever it is that you're struggling with, do it with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. This is a uh, kind of an odd instruction. But Paul's saying in every situation, there are so many things that you can be thankful for. See, he's trying to get us to think differently. You know, think about as you shift and you thank God for the things you can thank God, it changes your perspective, doesn't it? See, like uh, your marriage could be on the rocks. But you could be thankful that you're still married. You could be thankful that you've got great kids. You could be thankful that you've got a good job. So when you're asking God for help, you thank him for those blessings in your life. You thank him for that stuff. You know, maybe, maybe finances are a mess. You feel like you're going to go under. But you've got to look to the good things and say, you know what, I've got a great marriage. I'm in good health. I got a family that really loves me and cares about me. And thank God for those blessings. See, gratitude in the midst of things is a very powerful antidote against worry. Because the goal, the goal is not that things instantly get better. Do you hear that? The goal is not that they instantly get better. In fact, I will tell you, most of the time, rarely, do things get better instantly? The goal is to experience the peace of God even when life isn't peaceful. See, it's what Paul calls the peace of God which surpasses all understanding. That's, a, that's huge, friends. And that's possible it is possible in our lives to, to live with that kind of peace when life's uncertain. It's possible because God's with us. And because God's near and because we can talk to God, Paul says, you need to do something else. You need to begin to think great thoughts. He writes, brothers and sisters, continue to think about what is good and worthy of praise. Think about what is true and honorable, and right, and pure, and beautiful, and respected. What you think about matters. The films that you watch, the images that you see, when, when you're online, the stuff that you look at, the, the books that you read, the stuff that you allow to infiltrate your mind, the music you're listening to, all that stuff that you're letting in, it matters. I believe part of the reason 
that society is so depressed as a whole. Why there are so many people that, that worry and fret and live in fear. It has to do with what they're filling their minds with. Just a lot of garbage. And so the question is, what are you putting into your mind? Because it matters. Those images, those ideas that, that fill your mind, they produce thoughts. They produce feelings. And at some point, they lead to attitudes in life. And ultimately, our attitudes in life lead to actions in our life. Paul says, think about what's true. See, this is important, especially in those moments of anxiety and worry. You know, when, when worry is starting to grow in, in our lives, you need to think, is this true? Is it valid? Can, can it be trusted? I mean, is it honorable? Is it right? Is it pure? It's one of the reasons I believe you should spend time in God's Word. Because as you engage God's Word, you're filling your mind with things that are right, that are true, that are pure. And when you focus on that stuff, it's amazing because what happens is it changes the way you see things. What are you focusing on? It matters. What are you allowing to fill your mind? It matters. You know, we're, we're surrounded by beautiful things. You know, Nick was talking about the, the weather. Did you notice it was beautiful, right? I mean, it might be a, a sunrise or a sunset. That'll lift your spirits. Might be admiring a starry sky. You know, I like to watch the birds in the morning. Maybe it's the face of someone that you love. Maybe it's a piece of art or music. I, I don't know. But there are so many beautiful things in this world. And if you focus for just a moment, for a little while, that stuff lifts you up, doesn't it? Paul says, think about that kind of stuff. Think about what's true. Think about what's honorable and pure, beautiful, respected. Think about it. Focus on these things, he says. Here, here's what happens. When you begin to change your focus, start paying attention to that kind of stuff, it's significant what it does in your life. You'll find that your mood will be different. Your attitude will be different. Your patience will be different. Your, your level of worry will be different. Why? Because you are what you think. You are what you think. So what are you thinking about? What are you, what are you dwelling on? You know, Paul, he kind of brings it all together at the end, and uh, he uh, kind of gives us some advice. He says, do what you've learned, what he just got done talking about, what you've received from me, what I told you, what you saw me do, 
and the God who gives peace will be with you. Paul, I love Paul because he says, all this stuff we just got done talking about, all this stuff, knowing that God's near us, talking to God about what's going on in our lives, you know, paying attention to to what, what you think about, you know, think about what's good and true and pure and holy. Paul, Paul says, it's what I do. You've seen me do it. And if you do it, the God who gives peace will be with you and will give you peace. In other words, at the end of the day, when, when the darkness comes, you notice I didn't say if, but when the darkness comes, you know, when the fear takes hold, when your mind begins racing and you can't seem to shut it off, when the situation is such you can hardly get your breath and breathe, you need to remember God's near and God can give you peace in the midst of that. Some of you today, you need that peace. I mean, some of you are worried about your, your marriage or you're worried about a relationship or you're worried about some family issue or a health issue. Some of you are worried about your job, about your finances. You're worried about this or that because really you look and you go, I'm in over my head and you're anxious and you're afraid. Some of you, that worry has just kicked in full throttle because you don't know what lies ahead. And friends, I don't know what lies ahead either. But I know this. I know you're not alone. I know God is with you. And he's not just with you. He's for you. He loves you. He wants the very best for you. And I believe today God's inviting you to leave that fear and leave that worry and trade it in for his love and his peace. And I challenge you to do that. I mean, what are you really worried about? What is it, that thing that you thought of? I mean, what thoughts are consuming you and what's fueling that fear? I mean, what's keeping you in your life from living the reality of God's joy, God's peace. What situation do you need to give to God today? I mean, what situation in your life do you need to ask God for help? What situation would you like to walk out the doors and go, I've got the peace of God in that situation? And what I'd like to do, if you've got something that you just feel like God's put on your heart and you're tired of worrying about it and you're tired of carrying it and you're tired and you want to give it to God and you need peace, I want you to stand up where you're at. I'm going to pray for you. I'm not going to do anything weird or strange, but stand up right now and just say, you know what, I want peace. I want peace in that area and just do that. statements of faith here. You're going to lay down whatever it is and let God give you his peace. So let's, let's bow in a word of prayer. 
our holy God. God, you see the people standing. God, I know you're fully aware. Whatever it is. God, I pray your Holy Spirit would just spill into their life. That they would know your peace. That they would know you're right there. That you know exactly what's going on. God, I pray as we leave this place today that your peace would just just engulf them. God, every time the mind wants to go down that worry trail again, that your Holy Spirit would just go, that's not true. It's not so. God, you're bigger than whatever it is that we're going through, that we're facing, that we think's down the road, that we imagine might be down the road. God, you're bigger than that. And God, I thank you for that peace that really does go beyond our understanding. I thank you for that peace. And God, we just give you the glory with what we say, what we do what we think. Help us to walk, to live, knowing you're right beside us. God, we just give you the glory and praise this day. And God's people said, let's worship God together.